I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetters. We are in Mercedes-Benz Stadium where Washington was defeated by Auburn 21-16 in front of an announced crowd of 70,103. Capacity was 73,000. There were some def- definitely some empty seats up in the rafters. And just looking on the stat sheet where it says weather, where it usually gives us a weather you know, for kickoff, just says indoors this is a spectacular setting in here chris this stadium's unbelievable yeah i mean for people that weren't able to make the trip to atlanta um i to me it feels a lot like the georgia dome honestly in terms of it it goes way up but the the like the the banners and everything else above because they have the reader boards and the big video uh think about it like the jerry like jerry's world but like way higher you know they're they're kind of stuck up on the top, but they're so big that you can really see them very very easily. And um, you know the media's we're kind of stuck here in the corner on the Washington side, um, not their sideline, but kind of their Washington end zone ish. And um, yeah, didn't feel like I missed anything. Um, obviously, we have some replay video type stuff next to us, so we can always kind of see that. Um, but with the binoculars, it was easy to find what we were looking for. And, um, yeah, I would love to see if Washington played another game in here. Now, obviously, we can talk about the neutral stuff and all that. But overall, I think the Mercedes-Benz Stadium is phenomenal. Roof closed. We talked about that in the podcast yesterday uh, and on the radio where uh, the roof was closed. And that was part of the contract negotiations. One side of uh, one end zone is big glass wall where you can see out to the city. Field-level suites, which are kind of cool. They're just right behind the bench and a lot of suites and behind those suites by the way there's, there's a couple thousand people in there I don't know why they come to the stadium if they're just going to sit in there and eat and drink and watch the game on TV it was kind of weird but uh, you know getting back to the game I'm assuming there's probably there were probably some neutral people here although as we learned by spending a couple of days here in Atlanta Auburn is so close because it's only about a 90 minute drive or so that when Auburn grads when they're done in Auburn, they almost always come to Atlanta to work and live. And so apparently this is a total, despite the fact that it's so close to the University of Georgia as well, because, uh, you know, that, that Athens is not far off either. But it sound, I mean, it's probably, it was probably what, maybe 85 to 15 or 90 to 10 in terms of percentages. It seemed 95-20, uh, 95-5. Well, I mean, but I'm telling you, I thought the Washington contingent was really, really strong. They had the one corner by the Washington end zone that was totally packed. They had the other kind of kitty corner end zone, and then they were kind of mixed in the middle. I, you know, I'd say maybe five thousand tops. About tops. That. Yeah. So no. that wouldn't that would have made it, you know, roughly ninety-ish. Yeah, I mean, it would no doubt eighty-five-ish. It's loud in here too. I don't know if you could tell. It's loud. It, we're 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 socked in. We got no. We, we, yeah, we got noise, no noise piped through, yeah. so we have no idea. It's loud. Um, you know, rumors started uh, getting out last night that Trey Adams did not make the trip. Uh, Jared Hilbers uh, started at left tackle. I'm down on the field. I'm getting a totally different view. I don't get to see what you did. It didn't look like he did a bad job. Who? Jared Hilbers. No, I think Jared Hilbers was fine for his, you know, because you got to remember, he still has a lot of playing time under his belt, even though... He hasn't started a game. So, you know, this was a big-time event for him. And he stepped up. I think Jackson Kirkland stepped up. And so those two guys, with their first starts against that kind of defensive line who was kind of constant all the time, 
and they kind of did the way Jeff Choate would have done it back in the day, kind of the hockey shift styles. You saw a lot of rotating of bodies through there, and they were always rotating really big guys in there. So I think for a first time out, Jared Hilbers did a nice job. Are you? Did you think that maybe because of the two members of the offensive line um, that they maybe tried to ease things in offensively, especially in that first quarter? Because the defense, I'll tell you, you know, just being down on the field, there were times out there in the first quarter that defensive line was absolutely gassed, and it just seemed like they were on the field the whole time. You know, time of possession says something different, but it seemed like they were out there a long time. Washington's defense? Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think when Washington was its most effective was when they went up tempo. And I know a lot of uh, Dogman subscribers are wondering why Washington didn't go up tempo at the end of the game. And we can talk about why they didn't. It was pretty obvious why they didn't, at least in my opinion, because you have six minutes on the clock and you don't want to give Auburn the ball right back. Because if you score, let's say you score at that point, you're still down a couple or you're, no, you're up a couple. That still gives them all the time in the world to go down and kick a field goal to win it. You, you ideally would love to have a four- or five-minute drive, score a touchdown, and then basically give Auburn no time at all to try to do something. At least that's, that's the way I look at it, and I, I can almost guarantee you that's how the coaches were looking at it. Oh, yeah. You know, just the, you know I thought that you know, the two keys to the game was on that last drive. You know, Washington start rolling a little bit, and all of a sudden, what was the call? Was it offsides? You know, false start, or what? What they called? Where instead of first and ten, they got first and fifteen, and then oh yeah, no, it was just a false start. Yeah, and then you know, so all of a sudden you have first and fifteen, and that changes the play calling. You would think, but it obviously didn't because they hand the ball off to Miles, you know, for a short gain or no gain, and then you know, second uh, down they get no gain, and before you know it, they're behind the eight ball. I think that you know, um, false start really. Um, you know, was a game changer towards the end of the game. There's a lot of them, but that one was a killer. Well, but, if, but Kim, if we're talking about that last drive, Aaron Fuller makes that catch down the field, we could be talking about a whole different thing. So I know one of the storylines coming out of here is going to be Jake Browning couldn't get it done are again you, and all talk, that stuff. Are you talking about the catch yeah. over the middle where they were yeah. crossing and it was high? Well, it was high-ish, but he got both his hands on it, yeah. and he was clearly upset with himself after not making, not coming down with it. He knows... That was a monster play. And, and that kind of what, you know, when you have an incompletion like that, now all of a sudden you're, you're in second and long. You're, and then you're all of a sudden starting to get in third long, fourth and long. And, you know, we talked to someone after the game. They were talking about maybe pooch putting it, you know, or, or doing something to kind of bury uh, Auburn down really deep in their own territory. But I'm not – you still could only have maybe four downs to work with because Auburn was able to finally kind of – get that first down to really salt it away, but you really would have been up against the clock. I I can see both sides of it, but I can I can probably see more why they you know why they tried to go for it on fourth down. They only had two timeouts uh, left. They had to waste the time end on a defensive substitution. Yeah, I think but Auburn was, did too. So I, think, I mean it's yeah. it, you know that those are the I kinds was, of things I think it was Amandre Williams. He ran off the field, ran on, ran off and they finally had to call timeout because they were obviously confused. Right, and again, Kim, I think those are the things that you can really chalk up to to kind of first game, you know, like like Chris Peterson would call them. What was that? You know, they 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 had a handful of what was that moment uh, moments, and I guarantee you, if we t- we were talking to Gus Malzahn, he'd say the same thing. We had a ton of what the what what, what was that moment, um, and so those kinds of things I think kind of evened out just a little bit in terms of 
first game just not as exact as you want to be. How would you describe Chris Peterson's demeanor post-game? Well, I think, you know, we asked him some of the similar questions um, during the art press conference in Seattle in terms of now what does it mean in terms of, you know, is this a, a, a are you playing for the Pac-12? How much of a burden is it on you to go there and win for the conference? And does it mean anything and that all that irritates, stuff? That irritates the oh, hell out of him. It really irritates the hell out of him. And he won't have to really worry about that much from now on because that, that storyline's gone. Um, my personal opinion on all that stuff is, is that I don't think Washington did anything to damage the reputation of the Pac-12, whatever reputation that might be, um, because ultimately the national people, whether you talk about ESPN or the, the, the newspapers or the, the other talking heads that make a living doing this on a national basis – They'll all say the same thing, is that the Pac-12 ten, the Pac-12 is down. It's not close to the SEC. It's not close to the Big Ten. It's not close to the Big 12, so or the ACC, for that matter. And um, and they're going to have to slowly but surely, I think, build that back up. Just taking a look at the stat sheet, uh, net rushing yards, Washington uh, with 102, Auburn with uh, 147. Rushing attempts, Washington with 33, and uh, Auburn 45. Total offensive yards. Washington had some lost yardage there at the end of the game, but uh, 398 versus 420. But Auburn had 161 yards in the first uh, uh, first quarter, and uh, Washington averaged 6.1 yards per uh, offensive play, and Auburn uh, 5.2. But I think the big thing in there is the number of total offensive plays. Auburn had 81 total offensive plays where Washington only had 65. Uh, Also, third down conversions I thought really hurt Washington. Uh, They were only 5 of 14 where Auburn was 9 of 18. It just seemed like they had a really tough time stopping them on third down. And then just going to the individual statistics, uh, Miles Gaskin, who's now the all-time leading rusher at the University of Washington, uh, 17 carries for a net 75. Savan Ahmed, uh, seven carries, four, 36 yards. Do you want to get the receiving numbers? Sure. Aaron Fuller, big day with seven catches for 135. Andre Pichelia, four for 41. And uh, one other statistic that kind of jumps out, Race Porter was the punter. Um, if you know, I don't know if you picked this up in uh, pregame, but uh, Joel Whitford only took a couple of punts, and Race Porter was taking more snaps than I've ever seen him out um, you know, in pregame. Chris Peterson said that um, well, on the only punt that Joel had, he went down and made the tackle. Right, and I, I'm sure whatever he's been dinged up with, that didn't help. Yeah, and so Chris Peterson said he was dinged up before, but I think that key stat there is the total number of offensive plays. Well, I think the key stat in any game when you're looking at two top ten teams, Kim, is turnovers. They didn't have any. Auburn didn't have any. Washington had a couple. Well, yeah, Washington didn't create any turnovers. You were kind of waiting for that to happen, you know, because Washington's just been really good since Chris Peterson's been here in creating turnovers, and they were unable to create any. You know, with Jimmy, uh, you know, Jimmy Lake is huge. That that's he will be livid about that because that's they they kind of feast on that. You talked to Jimmy afterwards. I didn't get a chance to, but you know, he was down on the sidelines and Pete Kwiatkowski was in his usual spot up in the box. Uh, was Pete calling the defense or was Jimmy calling it down below? Well, no, this is Jimmy's Jimmy's calling it. I mean, that's that's From what he's supposed to be doing. It. Yeah. From the field. Okay. Yeah. yeah. 
This, yeah, is, it, this is his baby now. He gets to do it. Well, I'm not convinced of that because it looked he didn't look any different on the sidelines than he did last year. I mean, he's spending a lot of time with the defensive backs. I'm not sure he's coordinating the defense, so I'll have to ask him about that a little bit. But, uh, you know, we talked to Jalen Johnson also, and I asked him if Auburn did anything that they weren't expecting, and he said, yeah, they were expecting a lot more inside zone, and they didn't see that much of it. Right. There was a lot. I mean, they were behind center quite a bit, um, under center. Um, and again, you know, they, they, this is the game where you throw the wrinkles out, just like Washington would have thrown their wrinkles out as well. So um, I saw some things like tight ends being out wide and, and some of those types of things. Um, you know, not as much screen game as I would have thought, just because I would have thought that they, would, might, they might try to neutralize the, uh, the upfield rush and the pressure of Auburn's front. Um, they tried it a, a couple times, but I think maybe Auburn's just – I mean, they're just really, really good up front. I mean, there's just no question about it. And Washington's offensive line was going to have their work cut out for them all day long anyway. Washington also had trouble, you know, really getting a pass rush. You know, I was talking to Jalen about Trace McSorley was the last quarterback he faced. And, you know, Steedham seemed to be similar in a lot of ways. He was very, very elusive, and they had a tough time getting to him. Ariel Nada played a lot, and it looked like they were trying to get him, you know, to get after the guy. Well, not just that, but on some of those key third downs, down plays like there was that third and nine where they were able to kind of get a guy in a little bit of space. Both Ariel Nada and DJ Beavers were kind of on either side of the of the of the pass rush, and they were waiting for Stidham to scramble so they could just pounce on him, and he never really did. So you could tell they there were kind of some pseudo spy elements, I think, to what Jimmy Lake and Pete Kwiatkowski were trying to put together so that they they could try to contain Stidham as much as possible in the run game. And I think for the most part they did an okay job, but there were some key third down moments where they kind of allowed him to let go. And the in the very last series where he was able to run and and bending Potoi bit totally on the on the inside fake, and he went around him and he got and he got close to the first down. So um, these are just things again, like like Peterson said in the press conference. You know, you got to watch the tape, clean it up. Get ready for North Dakota. Washington up by one. Uh, Auburn's got the ball. They've got a third and nine deep in uh, their own territory, deep in Washington territory, and uh, third and nine, and they couldn't stop them. I thought that was just that was the killer right there. Well, again, you, you mentioned a little bit of Penn State and all that. Um, you know, when you come down, they're wearing all white uniforms. They're 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 really steady diet of winning third down to start the game. Washington couldn't get off the field. Washington couldn't get anything going on third down offensively. You kind of thought, oh man, this is going to be a fiesta bowl redo or redux, as you would say. But the you know, bottom line is, I, I think one thing about this Washington team is they showed today a lot of resiliency. Now people are going to you know hem and haw with all the different things that happened in this game. The bottom line is. They didn't have a great start. They gave the ball away twice. They had some crucial penalties, and you can you know you can argue until the cows come home whether they were correct penalties or not. I will say that when there's over 20 penalties called for over 200 yards, Big Ten officials, I, someone's got to ask, or someone's got to uh, tell us whether or not the, uh, the the Big Ten has to deal with that on a weekly basis because that was. That was crazy to me. Ten penalties for Washington for 95 yards, 12 for Auburn for 111, and uh, some of those penalties were pass interference calls where it seemed like the defensive game plan, if they got behind him, was just to go ahead and tackle him. But, boy, Chris Peterson, ten penalties for 95 yards, that's going to be a sore spot. Yeah, but 
Auburn had more. Yeah. So it wasn't exactly like the you know the Big Ten guys were going there. They were favoring the SEC guys because the SEC guys got some kind of crazy penalties against them too. But the the pass interference on Ty Jones, the face map phantom face mask on Jordan Miller. Um, there were just a couple of calls that really just came out of nowhere, and it was like I, I, I kind of harkened back to the to the old Don James. Story when he was down at LSU and they got whipped and and uh, you know he, there was a holding call on one of the on one of the offensive linemen and James was like what was the call what was that call and was, you know the, the the linesman is like one of your guys was holding one of our ours guys yeah and it's like you know so you feel like when you're from the north and you come down into SEC territory sometimes there can be a little bit of home cooking but in a neutral site game with the Big Ten. You, you can't really uh, – that's not an excuse. Uh, the, the offensive pass interference call, I guess, over the loudspeaker inside the stadium, they called that on Aaron Fuller where, you know, with the touchdown pass, but it was actually on Andre Pacellia. Right. You know, um, and that, it was a good call. I mean, half the time they call it, half the time they don't, but that one's tough to argue. He obviously was engaged the guy before the ball got there. Right. And, and you know, and, and Aaron Fuller, I mean, he got called for a block in the back where he literally – I don't know if he touched the guy or not – but he didn't have to be anywhere near that play. And then there was another one when, when Browning scrambled on a third down play, and he was kind of in the vicinity, and you could almost you almost see the whole sideline just like stand still, don't move, don't do anything. You know, they're just again. I think these this, those types of plays, Kim, are indicative of game one. Got to clean that up. You got to come back strong. But it's so tough. When you're playing a tough opponent like an Auburn, who's not making a ton of mistakes. Well, the Auburn had a bonehead, bonehead, bonehead personal foul penalty on the punt. I don't know sure. if you saw. Did you no, see what they, happened? They, like I said, they. Did they, you see what happened? No. They punted the ball. It was a fair catch, and you know Auburn's running off the field. Washington's running off the field. The only problem was, you know, the Auburn guy on the far, far hash mark, mark when he was running off the field. Washington guy was running, and he just kind of ran over him. I mean, he's just right in front of the referee. Just maybe, kinda, he didn't, maybe he didn't see him. It was a good 7, 10 seconds after the play. It was kind of funny. I go, what's this guy doing? I didn't know if it was an accident or what, but the ref called the, through the flag, and it was actually kind of funny. But Well, but here's the thing. you know. So Browning throws the pick early in the game. You know, Chris Peterson says, you know, don't compound a mistake by making another mistake. I don't remember if that drive resulted in any points at all. It may have been a field goal. But either way, the, the, the real killer was – the option fumble down by the goal line. Now you can you can say Bush Hamden that was a bad call. Bush you said it was say, a bad call. Well, there you go. So you, you there's all you know. Jake, but Jake said he was to blame for it. He should have you know he should have made a better decision. He said the guy he said the guy made a good play on it, but you know he's got to be smarter with the ball, and um, and he took the blame for that one. But ultimately, he just again top ten teams when you're playing them. You can't just give them an opportunity to take points off the board for you, and that's what that's what you do with those kind of critical situations. It wasn't it wasn't as damaging, let's say, as the the, the one at Alabama yeah. where he gave up the pick six, but it sure felt like if they get a touchdown going in on that drive, well, they really could have started to take some some serious momentum in the game. I was pretty close down there, and it, you know, just I don't know what defense they had called, but it looked like the guy came in unblocked. And uh, if Jake hadn't pitched it, he may have fumbled it. I mean, the guy went in. It looked like he went in untouched and deflected it. So, um, you know, just sometimes you make plays and they make plays. And I think it was just one of those. And, you know, Bush said, you know, he probably should have just ran the ball up the gut, you know, with Miles. But, uh, you know, 
looking back, you know, that's a lot easier. Uh, just real quick, looking at the defensive stats, uh, Ben Burkirvan, as he should, led the team in tackles with 13. DJ Beavers, who I thought had a solid game, had um, eight tackles, and Miles Bryant with eight. Washington with two sacks, and uh, Auburn with five. Those five sacks really hurt Washington as well. Absolutely. And again, you know, people are going to point to the fact that that's Jake Browning holding on to the ball too long, maybe having happy feet and kind of getting stuck running around, not really. I, you know, there were sometimes like that drive that, you know, obviously people will say, go up tempo, go up tempo, because you do so much damage. And there's no doubt that that drive at the end of the half, Kim, where they just had the four passes and it was boom, 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 boom down the field. Um, that's when the, he gets into rhythm and you kind of get the defense on their heels a little bit. And it really showed through in terms of just he didn't have to hold on to the ball very long. He was in rhythm. He found his guys and he threw it downfield with confidence. Um Definitely would like to see more of that for sure. And unfortunately, the drive at the end of the game just didn't, it just didn't really necessitate that they go up tempo. And because of the time and, and where you're at in the game and all those different things, they really needed to melt clock and run kind of a four minute drill scenario and just didn't get it done. Looking down the participation chart, interesting. Not one of the pure freshmen, not one of the first-year players uh, entered the game today, Chris. Well, if they were at if this was at Rutgers like last year, I think we would have seen some freshmen play. Yeah, uh, Ariel Nada, uh, you know, saw his first action. Jackson Kirkland, of course, saw his first action. Uh, Josiah Bronson saw uh, his first action. Uh, well, by the way, Henry Bainavalu was yeah. another retro freshman. I think those were the three. Him and and uh, and Jackson Kirkland and Ariel Nada, I think, were the three that did. Jake Wamba played a lot at linebacker. He sure did. I think that was because Brandon Wellington wasn't here. He was the one guy that I kind of noticed that didn't make the trip mm. um, or wasn't available. I didn't see him out there. Um, so outside of Hunter Bryant, Trey Adams, he was the only other I think kind of noticeable um, guy that was missing. Peyton Henry, uh, he missed one and. Uh, you know, kind of shanked it, and he kind of should have missed the second one, but it was really weird. I was right underneath the goalpost. It hit the go- outside of the goalpost. I don't know how it ricocheted in. Yeah. It was just a funky bounce, and he was lucky to get that one in. But uh, Peyton Henry, uh, was. Uh, I didn't see if uh, uh, Van Soderberg was here. Did you notice? Yeah, he was here. Okay. Yeah, he was here. Yeah. In fact, he looked like he had a little stronger leg, a little livelier leg than I, than I kind of remember the last few weeks. Um, you know, with that being said, I think if you would ask Washington fans, Peyton Henry goes three or four, the miss is from 40. Uh, given what happened with the kicking game last year, would you take that in this environment in his first game? I think reasonably speaking, that was a pretty good game for Peyton Henry. and He's going to build off that for sure. I mean, for sure, he'll build off that. Um, and I think hopefully he'll take it as a positive experience. But again, you know, you look at that, okay, that's good. But when you get into the red zone six times and all you come up with is one touchdown and three field goals, I mean, that's, you know, many different things we'll talk about as being the difference in the game, whether it's turnovers or, the, you know, the, those kind of mistakes. Not capitalizing in the red zone, I think, probably is the biggest storyline for them because that, that really means that you're kind of, it's within your control, Kim, right? You know, it's like you can, you can go ahead and kind of impose yourself and try to really um, put this game out of reach because you have opportunities to do it. And uh, they just didn't do it. Just didn't do it. It was just really tough sledding for them today. Auburn's a good football team. <laughs> They're a really good football team. But Washington's, they showed, I think they were they went toe-to-toe with them. And I think 
Washington did some okay job uh, and some okay things in the red zone defensively and, and started to hold their own and, and try to limit some of their third down wins. But uh, ultimately, man, just couldn't get off the field when they needed to. Yeah, and you know, Washington's got North Dakota, obviously, next Saturday. And uh, then they've got a road trip down to Utah. And Utah's going to be a f- tough football team. They've got a lot to clean up. That is going to be a tough, tough game down there in Salt Lake City. Right, and, uh, and I've talked about it in the last couple of weeks, and I think that's a more important game than Auburn ever was going to be. This was more like a prestige game, a cherry-on-top type game, a game where the Pac-12 could maybe salvage some integrity and, and, and some pride for the conference, but ultimately it doesn't I'm really matter. So, I am so sick of this Pac-12 SEC well, stuff. But that's, but, and you know what? I agree with Chris Peterson. It don't matter. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter to them, and it, it may matter. not matter to you, no. but there's a lot of people where it matters blah, a great deal. Blah, blah, blah. It's just media talking to talk. I mean, it's just noise, you know. So, uh, I, I don't know. Maybe it's me. I, 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 think, I, I, think, I think it's more you than anything. Yeah, I could care less about that kind of crap, you know. But, uh, you know, like I said, you know, somebody asked Coach Pete uh, postgame about that, and he obviously gets irritated. Not he doesn't. I, I don't get as irritated as he does. But anyways, You're, you sound irritated. Oh yeah, I'm just a little tired. I mean, it's a workout down on the sidelines sometimes. But okay. Anyways, all right. Here we go. No, I'm not complaining. Okay. I'm not complaining. I got a lot of work yet to do tonight, as do you. Uh, anything else we need to cover, Chris? Or you want to get into no, final, I, thought, I just, final I just, thoughts then? Yeah, I just no. I think it was overall. I, I just. Again, my, my prediction was twenty one seventeen, and I'm not certainly not patting myself on the back for that with with all of winning think, the game. Because, I think you are. No, I'm not because bottom line is this game, the way it unfolded, Washington had every opportunity to win the game despite losing the turnover battle, despite kind of shooting themselves in the foot with some with some penalties that again fifty fifty. But you have to roll with those things and you have to accept them and you have to kind of see what you can make out of them. So. Again, with all of the things that happened in this game, it was still so within their reach to get the win. And they, and they were ahead. They came all the way back from being down 9 nothing to go ahead. And so that, I thought, showed a lot of grit, a lot of fortitude. And that those are the things they're going to have to build on, Kim, because ultimately losing this game is not going to necessarily, for them individually, I don't think it's going to affect them nearly as much as, again, how it knocks maybe the conference as a whole. And you may like that, may hate it, I don't really care. But I think for Washington individually, I think this is, again, this is just part of the process. They need to move on. And you you hope, obviously, they don't overlook North Dakota. They take care of business there. But, again, for us, looking forward to that Utah game, that game looms so huge now because if they can win on the road at Utah, now that kind of sets it up for the rest of the season. I'm just uh, forwarding post-game notes to Scott, who's back home uh, taking care of all of this. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, slow start. I think that really hurt Washington. They just couldn't get off the field, couldn't get it going offensively, gassed the defense. And, uh, you know, uh, Auburn could easily have blown this game out in the first half where, you know, they missed a field goal and uh, missed some other scoring opportunities too, you know, where they didn't get uh, seven. Uh, they wound up with uh, field goals instead. Um, they missed a field goal and, um, yeah, I think you know Washington was lucky to only be behind as much as they were. There's a lot to clean up, and this is a long season. It's only the first game. Washington is expected to be a you know contender for the national championship in the playoff series. I still think that's there. Makes it a little bit more difficult. Now you have no margin for error. You have to win the rest of your games. But uh, I still think this is a very, very, very good football team. Well, it's been nearly a decade since the last team in the Pac-12 went undefeated. 
So, and that essentially is kind of what Washington's going to have to do. Because we've already seen historically there has been no two-loss team that has ever made the playoff. So what you're asking the Huskies to do to make the playoff is to, is to take this as their 1L and run the table. That's, that's going to be super, super difficult to do because I think they have some games on their schedule that are going to pose some real problems, starting with that Utah game. But at the same time, I think this game in particular will show them what they need to work on, will show, I think, them also what they can build on. I think the receivers did a great job today. I think Jake Browning, for all the people that are, that are, that are going to cap him for all the things that went wrong today, he threw for thir- nearly 300 yards against a withering pass rush, um, was able to get some things done, and I think there are some things that he's going to build on as well from that. And I think the defense, I think they can really hold their heads up high in terms of, yeah, they got down a little bit early and they gave up some stuff, but then they really kind of, you know, they, they tightened it up, and I think they really made it, in the end, an extremely competitive contest. Back on the air on uh, Sports Radio 950 KGR Wednesday night. i got to figure out the time. I'm not sure if it's 6.30 or 7. We'll let you know on that here pretty quick, though. But uh, uh, every Wednesday night for, um, uh, on Sports Radio KGR throughout the season. Saturday, depending on game time, so we'll have that schedule. But uh, lots of coverage yet to come from uh, you know down in Atlanta at the Chick-fil-A Bowl. And for all of us, uh, Scott Eklund back home doing a lot of work. Uh, Luke Munger. Yeah, screw Luke. <laughs> what? Screw Luke. No. <laughs> I hope you're listening, Luke. You'll know why. But anyways, for uh, Scott Eklund, Luke Munger, I'm Kim Grenells along with Chris Fetters. Go dogs.